Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the High Low Sports Podcast. We are on the final day of March for those of you watching us live, and March has done nothing short of live up to the March madness expectation. And I've got a good feeling that April's going to follow suit in its own right as well, too. It is DJ joined, as always, by my co-host, Kelsey. And Kelsey, weirdly enough, March Madness is usually talking about basketball, but uh, basketball might have been the le- second least maddening part of this entire month as well, too. It has been absolutely insane, and it's just getting started. Man, it, I feel like this is like it just keeps going. Uh, it, it, you know, one one week we have like crazy things happen. You know, we have insane amount of free agencies. We have moves. We have the ba- baseball finally coming back. We have upset galore in March Madness. We have this. We have that. It just doesn't stop, and it's leading us right into our favorite time of the year, and that's the NFL draft, which is what today our main topic is going to be our our main event. But before we get there, DJ, we have a whole lot to talk about in the tip off. The journey to the draft starts today, but it's we're still not quite there yet. As we got to do a little bit of preludes. Is we're going to start with our opening segment, known affectionately as the tip off. The tip off, of course, brought to you by Doctor Squatch. Smell like a man, feel like a champion. All your men grooming needs. Go and click the link in our bio. Take yourself right there as well too. Have yourself smell great for that special someone in your life. Or if you just like to be clean, honestly, that is the way to go. So definitely check out Dr. Squatch. And you know what? We kind of alluded to it. It's been the tip off pretty frequently. March Madness keeps getting mad. We are down to the final four. And St. Peter's made quite the run. They didn't quite get to the final four like they were hoping. But we still do have an interesting set of four as well, too. Yeah, look, you know, okay, I was wrong on everything when it came to getting the final four. Hmm. Um if you guys listen to any of my predictions, I'm sorry. I was wrong. DJ has surpassed us, surpassed me in our uh, bracket group. He uh, got all of the final four picks, well, that he actually chose that were still available. I actually got them right. I, on the <laughs> other hand, did not. So <laughs> I am not having a good time right now anymore with this dra- with the March Madness. My bracket officially busted of all busteds. Um, but yeah, no, it was it was fun. I mean, you look at it and no number one seats, uh, no Michigan, no St. Peter's. But there's still some pretty some pretty interesting teams in here, and, and I believe, if I'm not mistaken, Max might have might have picked a, a our, our intern Max. If you guys don't know by now, mentioned to us that he might be picking Houston. So Houston. that was that was interesting. They'd be picking Houston. Houston did get knocked out as well too, though. So that's yeah. kind of interesting to see as well too. That that was unfortunately unfortunately didn't make it. So it looks like he was in the same boat as us at the end of the day. I still have my champion holding out hope right now too. I still have Duke hanging on for dear life, just keeping me in there as well too. But it's kind of fitting looking at that. I want to start with that first matchup. In his final season, he gets to a final four for a billionth time, and he has to go through North Carolina to get to it as well, too. Yeah. How, 
they they ruined his regular season finale a bit more or less. Now he gets a chance to go out go against them again in his final final four. And weirdly enough, that's uh, something that's interesting. Out of their entire history, their ri- history rivalry, they've never played in March Madness. Like they've never played in the final four against each other as well too. So this is a first time for that as well. And North Carolina coming off honestly an absolute thrashing over everybody's favorite St. Peter's at the run they went on as well too. And it was 27 to seven at one point. They boat raced them right out of the gate as well, yeah. too. So looking at that one, do you think North Carolina has a chance to upset the coach Dzeski good good luck tour, or do you think it's gonna be just a little too much Duke? Uh, I've been saying this entire time, don't count out Coach K in his last year. I I, I didn't think you're gonna end up against UNC. Hmm. And again, about UNC, I've been saying the old joke about what Jordan said a few years back. The 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 ceiling is the roof hmm. with this team. You never know what you're gonna get. And the truth, the truth is, is, is inevitable for both. I mean, I don't know honestly what to say about this matchup other than I wish this happened last year hmm. with Roy Williams and Coach K. That would have been magical. Unfortunately, now we're in a situation where it's the brand new regime of UNC versus the old head heading out in in Duke, and that in and of itself is it's going to be fun. I. Man, this is like picking like your first love as a child and and the team that you're just kind of like, wow, this is a magical run they're on. And I, I honestly don't know. And uh, so I'm going to I'm going to say I'm just going to keep with what I'm saying and just say don't bet against Coach K in, in his final season. And you know what? That is what my, why my prediction kind of stemmed from from the very beginning is that I was kind of rolling out. So I'm going to stick with that one all the way through whether or not it's going to get me in trouble. It, I imagine it might run out, but. It's kept me somehow alive considering the first couple of rounds I was falling apart as well, too. And I also want to look at Jay Wright and Villanova. The, the mini dynasty he has put together in recent years, once again in a Final Four as a number two seed. Six of the of Villanova's nine 30-win seasons have come under Jay Wright as well, too. And what a fantastic job he's done putting that program together. A relatively good basketball school school over the years, but they've been as good as anybody the last handful of years as well. So you can honestly make a case they were they've been the premier college basketball school in men's basketball. Oh, absolutely. Uh, what Jay Wright's done, not just on the floor, which is fantastic. I mean, you got to say well, his performance and his career, he deserves some kind of recognition for what he's done to Villanova. Because let's be honest, Villanova before this was kind of the team like every four years they'd, they'd make a, a solid push into the Sweet 16, but never really competing for a Final Four or even a national championship. And, and well, one, he's led them to a national championship. Two, they're a powerhouse year in and year out. And three, I, he does it with his coaching on and off the court. Like his his off court coaching is just as important as his on court coaching. If you if you don't understand what I'm saying, I mean, in preparation, he does it all there. It's all done prep, and he just lets his players go out and play. And I think that's a magical thing. Like you know, Coach Calipari, John Calipari talks about it. Coach K talks about it. Like if you do your prep off the the court on the court you should just be able to play and jay wright is that's his philosophy except for his his work is done defensively instead of offensively with his most of his teams and that's what makes his team unique is they've always kind of been a stalwart defensively and now they're able to just run people out of the building scoring wise as well so it's very very fun to watch jay wright and what he's able to do and you know he's a guy that if you if you've never seen college basketball when villanova is not in the tournament he's always an analyst as well so that's how smart and intelligent of a coach he is as well. Like X's and O's wise, fantastic. Um, but yeah, it's it's impressive what he's done with Villanova. I don't think there's anything else we can say about it other than just sit and sit back in awe, in awe of it. 
And of course, uh, it wouldn't be fitting if he didn't have a quality rival to go against here as he takes on the remaining one, number one seed, Kansas, as well, too, and Bill Self as well, too. So it's not going to be an easy road for him to get into the into the back in the championship as well, too. But I see that being a really close match, and I think Villanova might have, a, have an edge as well, too. I think defensively, they're a little bit more sound as well, and I think as long as they don't let Kansas get out and running. I think when they get Kansas gets a chance to kind of snowball effect, like they did against Miami, that's when they could get dangerous. But I think Villanova... You mentioned everything about Jay Wright, how he's able to all the off the field coaching he does, how they're always prepared. I think that's going to help them stay with Kansas early on as well to not let Kansas saddle up the boats, if you will, get the boats going to, uh, downstream. And I think it comes down the stretch. That's going to make it really, really interesting if it stays, if it's a close, tight, ugly game. Yeah. Uh, two of the, uh, well, first of all, two of the best coaches, two of the best programs in the nation. And, uh, you know, let's not take anything away from Kansas and what Bill Sells does. Like, Man, they have one of the best seniors on the court right now as well, and it's it's fun to watch. This is a different Kansas team than we we're used to seeing back in their heyday. Like their Kansas team back in the days were a bunch of high scoring guys, you know, probably sophomores and freshmen. Now it's a bunch of juniors and seniors, and they are performing very well. And it's unique to see a coach kind of change around from the the freshman phenoms to sitting here with some old heads and some seniors and juniors in his starting rotation a lot more. So very unique to see that coaching style as well, change for Bill Self and, and do it well. Absolutely. And that leads us to the predictions for the final four as well, too. We kind of both alluded to it, and I'm going to stick with it. I got Duke getting to the finals. I think they're going to take on Jay Wright and Villanova. I think they're going to find a way to get it done. We're going to have deuces wild in the championship game, if you will. We're going to have the two number two seeds going head to head. And I think, once again, I'm going to stick with it. I think Krzyzewski and them are just going to find a way Get him out kind of riding high before Duke, unfortunately, takes a little bit of a plummet because you don't just replace Coach K in a season. I think they're going to take a dip after this. But I think they're going to get a chance to go out on a glorious note as well, too. Just feels It feels almost too perfect for him not to at this point as well, too. So give me Duke over Villanova in the championship game. I think I think Duke's going to handle North Carolina, maybe a 10-point victory. They pull away late. Villanova, Kansas, I think it's going to be really, really close. And down the stretch, Villanova maybe goes on a 10-2 to run or something along those lines to fit win by five. So... That's what I'm looking at for both of those games. Okay. Very interesting. Um, unfortunately, I wish I could change and like not give you the exact same thing. <laughs> I, I, I can't just go on a, uh, you know, from just absolutely louding plaudits on, on Jay Wright and not give him a victory over Bill Self. I, I feel like everything he does, he, he does it well. Defensively to offense, this team is made. And I think Villanova is a strong enough team to, to be able to hold off any, any offensive stretch from Kansas. And, um, as far as Duke and UNC, I already said it. I'm, I'm taking Duke. So, uh, you know, it's I'll, I'll double down on that, go Duke-Villanova. Uh, I will say, though, I think we see a changing – you know, I've said this when I did the NFL predictions multiple hmm. years in a row. The changing of the guard moment, Jay Wright beating Coach K in the, final, in, in the, in the championship game. I think that's how it's going to end up going now. All right. I, I like it. So we have the same matchup, different results, same math, different, different answers. So definitely looking forward to this. It's been an absolutely fun tournament as well, too. And St. Peter's, they they carried this tournament on their back from the excitement factor, honestly. Like yeah. there's obviously plenty of other exciting games, but what they went through, what they pulled off was absolutely sensational. And that'll be something in the annals of history, if you will, as well, too. Uh, bleeding the way for number 15 seeds all the way. 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Absolutely, it's going to be a blast to watch. Though, cannot wait. Absolutely. Well, that's going to that's going to wrap it up for the tip off for us today, and that is going to take us to Kelsey's second favorite part of every single episode. That is the main event. The main event is, as always, is brought to you by Colorcast, the premier audio sports app for iOS and coming to Android soon as well. Too, if you like sports, you like live sports, you like talk shows, whatever you like, Colorcast has something for you. So definitely go download that and join the revolution now. And Kelsey, the journey to the draft is finally here. We're, we have five weeks out, roughly five more episodes. We're going to go through each of the divisions that will go by the, the West, the North, all of that as well. Talk about the team needs, so look at some of their additions, and maybe a player or two that we think would be a really good fit as well. So it's starting today, and we're going to start from the West. We're going to go West to, we're gonna go west to East at this point, basically. So we'll go and start looking at the West as well, too. And Kelsey, this is kind of interesting because when we look across the landscape, uh, there's not a whole lot of early draft picks going there. There's some teams that traded that gave up some hauls and they're going to just kind of be picking late round depth at this point. It feels like. Yeah. Like there's, there's quite a lot of teams that, like you said, traded out everything. Um, however, there's a team that traded in hmm. to the, to, to, to the first round in the NFC. And that is the Seattle Seahawks. But everybody else in the West seems to have just been like, you know what? First round picks. I don't need one. Like the chargers still have theirs. <laughs> and and it's just it's interesting to see the dynamics of of the West. Like it's it's a bunch of, huh? Well, I don't really want one. To well, I guess I'll take one. So you're looking at in the first round. By the way, let's just go ahead and clarify this. Kansas City back to back at twenty nine and thirty. The Rams do not have one because they traded theirs to Detroit. F them picks. Yeah. So oh yeah. Sorry. The pick. The, the they traded their picks to Detroit for. Well, a Super Bowl, so yeah. not a bad, not a bad option. By yeah, that means. works out pretty well. <laughs> uh, yeah, Arizona does have a pick at twenty three. You're looking at L.A. Like I said, at seventeen, L.A. Chargers at seventeen, um, the Seattle Seahawks at nine. Which, all right, whatever. And oh, that's it. So, not a whole lot of first round picks left here. Not a whole lot to work with as well, too. So uh, we know where, where do we want to get started? Let's go and get rolling, taking a look at some of these teams as well, too. So where, where do you want? You want to start the AFC or do you want the NFC? I feel like we're going to save the AFC for last because there's a lot more storylines to talk about in the AFC. So let's go ahead and jump in the NFC. Let's go ahead and you know what? We'll talk about those aforementioned Seattle Seahawks. How's that sound? You know, that sounds like a plan to me. A very down season for the Seahawks. We t- take a look at the graphic for those who watching us. Their biggest loss, undoubtedly, Russell Wilson, their franchise quarterback for the last decade. They did add. Well, not really a whole lot for players. They brought in Drew Locke and no fan, but they added a pile of draft picks as well, too, as part of that trade. So they will have plenty of picks to supplement all the picks they've given away for the likes of Jamal Adams and crew the last few years as well, too. So looking at them that you mentioned, they picked number nine now. So they went from no draft pick to lottery pick really comfortably as well, too. They actually now pick higher than where their draft pick would have been the one they traded to the Jets. One spot ahead. By one. <laughs> By one. So they're finally making up for it. And I'm just going to go and start when I look at Seattle. They they're rebuilding. It's clear they everything besides the receiver room. They're basically reloading at this point. So their biggest draft needs for me are one is always going to be offensive line until they finally figure out something with that because it's been up and down a lot the last few years. So I'm looking at offensive line, and then for them, 
it's best player available, but not for the same reason that everyone else does best player available. It's because they need players regardless. So I'm looking yeah. at take the best player you can find on the board, assuming it's not something completely outrageous. If you like Drew Lock and you want to give him a chance, best player available. If you don't trust Drew Lock, he's just a bridge guy, get Kenny Pickett or get or get Malik Wills. But if we're going to stick with best player available, I'm looking at Derek Stingley Jr., a guy that could possibly slip to them at that spot. Fantastic corner who's sliding around on draft boards a little bit as well, too, going up, yeah. down, arounds, left to right. Or Kayvon Thibodeau, a guy who we both have really highly, but for some reason, everyone keeps talking about him slipping. So I'm curious to keep an eye on that as well, too. So really for Seattle, best player available. I really like the idea of Derek Stingley Jr. if he slips to the spot. All right, that's fair. I, You know, I, I like your idea here. First of all, it's the offensive line. That's their number one priority, I, I think. And and I think best available is a good way to look at this because it's kind of like Atlanta with the Kyle Pitts situation. Like, you, you need the offensive line, but then there's that transitional talent that is just insane in Kyle Pitts, and you have to kind of take that. So if Denver here – or sorry, if Seattle at nine happens to have somebody fall to him, um, I look at, you know, like you mentioned, Malik Willis. If he falls to him, absolutely take him. Uh, Kayvon Thibodeau, 100% take him. He'd be traveling about two hours north hmm. from Eugene to uh, Seattle. So you can't complain about that. Um, I think I think also defensively, I don't I don't know if Derek Stingley Jr. gets past Atlanta still. I still think Atlanta pulls the trigger there, um, even with all the moves and the and the Rat, Matt Ryan move and everything. I still I still think he's there. I think Mariota is kind of a guy, a guy who played for the, their head coach in Tennessee. So mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I, I think that's that that's something to consider. So I think Derek Stingley, you know, goes at eight. So I think at nine, Seattle, honestly, look at linebacker and I'm going to go, they're going to go Devin Lloyd in my eyes. Um, stick with a guy that's a West, you know, West coast guy, a guy that can do it all a guy that, yeah, he didn't have a great combine, but we all have seen his tapes. Mm-hmm. His tapes do not lie from start to finish. He is an absolutely fantastic linebacker. Sure. Might be a slow kind of, plotting linebacker if you're, you're talking about a 40-yard dash. I know a bunch of guys who didn't run a great 40 that are in the NFL that are fantastic NFL players. So, you know what? I Throw the throw the combine out. I think Devin Lloyd here, if he's available, which I don't see a reason why he wouldn't be, would be there. Unless, again, unless a, a, an ungodly talent falls to you here at nine, I'm looking at Devin Lloyd for, for Denver here and, and filling that linebacker position that, well, you don't really have anybody anymore. Yeah, that'll be interesting. That's definitely, they do got to f- fill that Bobby Wagner sized hole as well. It's going to be interesting. They go from a third, second, third round guy in Bobby Wagner, who was a surprise to everybody, to a first round lottery type pick linebacker who's expected to go high. So that'd be, that'd be interesting. Both that, recruits, though. That's true. So we'll definitely see how that one goes as well, too. That'll be a fun one to look at. So next, moving on, we're looking, going up the NFC West, and we have the Cardinals now, the Arizona Cardinals as well. They do have one first round pick coming off a playoff appearance as well, too. Looking at their biggest loss. Chandler Jones, undoubtedly the leading sack guy for them as well, too. He's been absolutely fantastic. I mean, five sacks in week one last year. Absolutely incredible. Took Taylor Luan to school. Biggest biggest addition was really it was honestly not paying Christian Kirk that much money that Jacksonville gave him as well, too. It's a loss by position, but it's a gain by not having to overspend. So the Cardinals, curiously what they have in mind, there's been the drama with Kyler Murray in the offseason. It sounds like everything seems to kind of be riding itself a little bit. They know they're going to have to pay him, and he knows he's going to get paid, hopefully. So looking at the Cardinals, they're picking – in the 20s now, unusual spot for them as well. My for me, when I look at them personally, their biggest need is pass rush. Now there's a they need a pass rush with Chandler Jones and the JJ Watt. He's older, he's injured and beat up now as well. Too you need a pass rush regardless. Now you really, really need it. 
one pick that sticks out for me, and I think he is only going to slip here because of unfortunate circumstances. I look at David Ojabu from the D, the pass rush out of Michigan as well, too. Should not be on the board whatsoever. But I think with that injury he sustained during his pro day as well, too, he might slide down the board a little bit. So give me Ojabu here as a won't contribute right away, but down the stretch of the season, maybe, especially towards the back end if they're rolling. He could be a guy that comes in and pass our situations and a long-term first-round pick as well, too, and one that can make some dividends down the stretch. And if we learned anything from the Cardinals last few years, when they take a defensive player in the first round, their rookie year, you don't see them. Then their sophomore year, they actually come on strong. We saw with Isaiah Simmons, and I think we're going to see it with Zayvon Collins again next year. So I think add one more element to that. I like David Ojabu here as well, too. Yeah, no, you know what? That's actually a very interesting uh, conversation. And and it's it's because of the fact that their last couple first round picks have just gone AWOL in the first first season, right? Their rookie season, they're just like, uh, yeah, I'm just not going to play. See you guys. Like mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm, I'll be on the field for a couple plays. I'll make a couple couple plays here and there. But then for the rest of the time, you're going to be like, where's he at? Um, I do agree with your assets assessment though that they do need defense. They need they definitely need pass rushing now. Although I'm not going to go in the same position. Um, I'm looking at two guys. One is because he's slipping down boards, and if he falls this far, by all means, take him, and that's George Karloftis. I don't know why he's slipping down people's boards. He has not done anything wrong. Nobody's really surpassed him in that position. But somehow he's falling down boards. And if he falls here to Arizona, if you don't pull the trigger, Cliff Kingsbury will be out of Arizona as fast as he can stick his feet up on his all-white chair. Hmm. Like, this is... This is insane if he ends up slipping this far. I've, I cannot believe some of these draft boards I'm looking at that have him going in the second round. Um, so I'm looking at George Carlotta's if he falls, but a more likely position, a guy who's worked himself into a first-round pick, and especially during that combine, was absolutely fantastic. And that's a guy out of Georgia, Trayvon Walker. You lose, an edge, you lose an edge guy like Chandler Jones, well, guess what you do? You replace him with an edge guy in Trayvon Walker, who is built eerily similar not the freakish athletes that one of the Jones brothers can be, but a freakish athlete as we saw during the combine. It's interesting you mentioned Trayvon Walker because I've kind of th- I think he's kind of the reason we've seen George Karloff is kind of fall down boards as Trayvon Walker has ascended so high after that incredible combine. And this point at like those 13, 14 areas where there's a pass rusher, I think he's kind of taking those spots and it just kind of pushed. Yeah. I think they're both going first round regardless. I think they're pushing him a little too far, but I do yeah. think they've both worked themselves into first round picks and if either one of them is there, I mean, there's a good litany of pass rushers for Arizona to go and dip into. And not to mention, you can't go wrong with offensive line with Kyler Murray as well, too. So there, honestly, we could just put trenches for them as well, too, at this point, and it'd be fine as well. Let's not forget, I mean, I have to say this about Trayvon Walker. Let's not forget, when it came to our first mock draft, I was the only one that had him in the first round. First of all, but just between you and I, that, that would have had him in the first round. But in every single talking board on ESPN, none of them had him as a first-round talent. They all had him as a three-through-five talent. If you talk about his performance, I don't think he he worked himself into a top 10 through 20 pick, but I think he worked himself into that 20 through 30 range. And that's why, like, it kind of bothers me that they're bumping Carl Loftus down because he didn't do anything to lose his position. And Trayvon Walker, yeah, he's fantastic. He he, he showed out when he when he had to. I just man, it's it's crazy to think that he's moved that far forward. And there are people that didn't even like this guy three weeks ago, you know, and now they're in love with him. The NFL offseason is a beast of its own, as well, right, as well, too. The ascenders and the decliners, and they don't ever make any sense as well, too. So. Nope. Speaking of things that sometimes don't make a whole lot of sense, we're going to move on to the 49ers as well, too. And 
looking at some of their biggest their biggest loss, we're going with Mike McDaniel, the offensive coordinator, because really they haven't lost a whole lot, but losing your offensive coordinator will have to see, and with a new young quarterback starting next year, as we presume Trey Lance will be the guy. Curious to see what else can be like with a different offensive coordinator than the one he got to learn under through this last year. Obviously, Shanahan is the ringmaster there, but at the same time, there's certain voices, certain things you hear, certain tendencies, things like that. So we'll see. We look at him as arguably the biggest loss. Biggest addition, they haven't really made one yet as well, too. I mean, I guess maybe not trading Jimmy G for a fifth-round pick is their biggest addition at this point. Like They're, they're kind of staying homeostasis to seeing what they can do right now. They are they don't have a first-round pick as well, too. They traded that one. Like Their picks are a little bit more limited right now. So when I look at the 49ers draft, mine's pretty simple. Trenches. Just load up. Excuse me, not, not trenches. Trenches a little bit, but most importantly, I'm looking at defensive back depth. I want to see them. I want to see them bolster up the corners a little bit. I mean, we had Josh Norman playing for them last year at one point. You don't want Josh Norman playing significant minutes for you in 2023. So go. I'm looking for them to bolster defensive backs, safeties, corners, just get more bodies out there. You got the Rams and the Cardinals in your division. Still got DK and Tyler Lockett. You got to be able to match up with them on the outside. They have some good defensive backs. I think you could get some good mid round talent that could get in there and just kind of bolster in case somebody goes down, something happens as well. So. Give me defensive back depth and then trenches after that because you can never have too many trenches, especially the way they like to play offense and defense. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm actually I, I'm glad you said trenches first and like correct yourself to DB uh, because trenches are a big part of it. But you lose DJ Jones. Um, they also did cut D Ford. Both kind of DJ Jones hurts a lot more than D Ford, which sounds outlandish to say, but D Ford's played seven games in two seasons, <laughs> so has doesn't really impact you much. Um, DJ Jones is a lot more impactful because he actually played games. However, I do think there's enough depth at defensive tackle to find a replacement for him. Um, you know, the the kid out of Alabama, Fidarian, uh, Fidarian Mathis in the third round, easily a pick that you can pick up. Um, their second round pick, I wouldn't be surprised if they go DB. Maybe uh, I don't know. Maybe they reach for somebody. I, I I there's a couple names that pop into my head, but I just don't know. I don't know where they're going to – if they want to reach that far. And and the guys I'm thinking, obviously, Riley Moss injury-wise, coming off that major knee injury, but he's held, he's going to be healthy for the start of the season. And we saw what he did at Iowa. It helped to give them a top-five ranking this last season with his defensive abilities. I mean, he's the absolute ball hog at corner. Um, Noah Daniels from TCU, potentially still there in the second round. So I look at something something like those two guys. Um, to potentially, you know, make a name for themselves. But, yeah, I, I, I think you, you go DB here the, with your first couple – like, at least your second-round pick, and then beyond that, start filling in defensive tackle, more DBs, more DBs, and more DBs. Uh, just load up on whatever you can at this point as well, too. You're in a pretty good spot, good spot, so I think they'll be okay there. That'll take us to the final one of the NFC West. We're looking at the Los Angeles Rams as well, too. The reigning Super Bowl champions who have said F them picks, so they won't be picking – well, they have eight picks, but none of them in the first couple of rounds as well, too. Look at it for a few couple of seasons, too. Yeah, it is. A, you know what? They might not pick in the first round until 2030 at this rate as well. Biggest loss, probably Von Miller, a former Super Bowl MVP who really turned it up in the second half of them as well, too. Biggest addition, of course, it has to be in the receiver room because of the lot. That is the Rams' way. Allen Robinson now being signed there as well, too. Finally gets a quarterback he's been looking for as well, too, since the good old Blake Bortles days and a chance to go in there and play opposite the Super Bowl MVP Cooper Cup and Rams. This is actually the one where I meant to say for their draft pick since you're picking later, this is where I'm looking at trenches. You lost Andrew Whitworth. You're losing. You lost Von Miller. Just offensive, defensive lines. Just load up on them. Stafford got banged up a little bit last season. Keep him healthy. 
defensively just try and put bodies next to Aaron Donald. They just have to kind of take, they just have to take up space. So Aaron Donald could do Aaron Donald things. And then eventually that's pretty much what it is for me is they just got to keep the trenches strong. Their receiver room is outstanding. Running back rooms deep. You have your quarterback, your secondary is pretty good. Just load up on the lines. That's a, that's all I can really think of for them as well, too. They're a loaded team. Yeah, and, and you know, it's funny looking at their draft picks. They only have three actual draft picks. They have five compensatory picks, though. <laughs> that's insane to look at. And none of them are, are before. Like, their actual draft picks are fifth and one-fifth and two seventh-round picks. Their compensatories are in the third, fourth, and sixth. But, like, yeah, they look, they, this is one of those things, situations where you need depth. Like, you need players – at this point in time, you need bodies out there, and they're starting 22. Very good. I, I mean, just across the board. So you're kind of just looking for backups, guys that you can grow with and, and see see what you can do there. Um, I agree that you, you need to start filling in the trenches. Um, for the Rams, I think I focus more on filling in those offensive tackle positions with your earlier picks, which that, I mean, the third compensatory, fourth compensatory, hmm. I don't know what talent you're going to get there, but they're not going to be, the you know, they're going to be a, a rough diamond that you're going to have to work into something, but it's your best chance to get somebody to fill in maybe one day down the road for having seen when he decides to walk away. Um, obviously, Andrew Whitworth just retired. Uh, those are, you know, those are parts that you need to try to fill. And, and obviously they're going to try to do it through free agency in the meantime. But I do think if you can get a, a third and fourth round guy that slips, that's maybe a second round talent. That would be the best way to do it. But looking at that tackle position is, is where I would be looking at specifically when they get that compensatory pick in the third round. Absolutely as well, too. I think just keep Stafford as healthy as you can. He's not a spry young chicken anymore who could lose it, who could pop his arm out of socket, pop it back in and throw a game-winning touchdown pass. Like You want to keep him as healthy as you possibly can. So we're on the same line for the Rams. So that will do it for our NFC West journey to the draft. Now we're going to head to the AFC West where things get a lot they're the, probably the most competitive and dangerous division in football. And you look at it across where all four of these teams should be in the playoffs and should arguably division winners, but yeah. there's not a whole lot of draft picks to go around. There's two teams have pretty much all of the picks. It feels like as well too. So we're going to start there. We'll go and start first with the chargers as well too. Los Angeles chargers, very big movers in free agency, bringing in Khalil Mack and JC Jackson. who we agree is the biggest one as well too. losing Brian Balaga. Who's played what two games in the last two seasons. It feels like, it feels like he has been primarily injured. So not losing a whole lot, but bringing in some absolute stalwarts on defense, keeping a lot of your guys, keeping Mike Williams coming off that career year. And you still get to keep all of your picks. You're picking a 17, I believe. And looking at it for me, theirs is very, very similar to the Seahawks, but for opposite reasons, you just take the best player available at this point. You really can't go wrong with the way your team is built. You got a quarterback, you got all the weapons, you got defensive playmakers across the board. I think you take the best available player here, honestly, kind of like what you did with last year when you got Rashawn Slater who slipped to you. That one happened to fill a need, but that was two birds, one stone. Before that, you got Derwin James just because he happened to fall to you. This year, I'm looking at someone like Jordan Davis if he slips. Put him right in the middle of that defensive line. They're, they're plugs your run defensive pole. Devin Lloyd slips there. I like Devin Lloyd along with Kenneth Murray in those linebacker spots. I think whatever drops you take here, maybe an offensive lineman like Charles Cross who's supposed to go really high, maybe he slips for some reason. Take him and put him opposite Rashawn Slater. This one... You really can't go wrong. Just take whoever is the highest on your board at this point, plug and play besides receiver receivers. The one thing you can maybe pass on if it's the best player on your board, but everything else just take the best there for you. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, it's, that's a fair assessment, a fair assessment of it. I, I'll give you that. Um, I stand by what I said in our mock draft 1.0 Jordan Davis. If he is there, you take that man and you do not let anybody 
tell you otherwise because you will solve your issue of the, defending the run game or at least mitigate 50% of the runs that you were giving up right through the middle. Um, if he's not there, Devontae Wyatt, the other guy out of Georgia that fills the defensive tackle role that is still six foot four, 300 plus pounds that ran the exact same 40 and as a slightly less hired of a jumper than Jordan Davis. But like, that's where I'm looking. I'm looking at those two specifically. If for some awful reason they're not there, uh, Kenyon Green has been rumored to fall down some some boards. Maybe you slide and go get him. Maybe you go get Zion Johnson out of Boston College, who's been a fantastic combine performer. His pro day looked fantastic as well. So he's been climbing, so he might be climbing out of your reach. But that should help you on the defensive end. I mean, if he climbs higher, that helps you with Jordan Davis and Devontae Wyatt falling to you. So first of all, I'm looking those two, Jordan Davis, Devontae Wyatt, period, point blank. If they're there, take them. If they're not there, then I look at maybe an offensive lineman who's fallen. And if for some reason none of those guys are available, which if that happens, I don't know what to tell you at that point in time, but maybe you look to trade out and maybe you get later round picks so you can just fill in bodies at that point in time. Um, but I think I think your number one issue that you're missing is a defensive tackle and, and Jordan Davis, Devontae Wyatt, one of those two guys will fill that role. And that, that should be that simple. Here's a random idea for you there. There's been rumors about Kyle Hamilton possibly slipping in the draft as well, too. If he somehow drops it out to 17, do you take the idea of pairing him with Derwin James, even though it's really low on your needs list? But he will probably be the best available player. Do you do you consider pulling the trigger there? Yes. I would like it would not even a not even a consciousable thought. It is, hey, uh, new signing JC Jackson, sprint this as fast as you can to that table right there, hmm. and we're gonna make sure we get this pick. Like you're going to sprint yourself to Las Vegas, hand in this card, and we're going to have this man in 2.7 seconds. Hmm. And that goes for any team. If Kyle Hamilton falls out of the top five, which I would be shocked if he falls out of the top five. But again, you're, you're exactly right. It's been rumored that he is potentially falling out of the top five. If he somehow falls out of the top five, any team between where he falls out of the top five and where he actually gets picked screws up if they don't pick him. Like that's, that's, that is my pure answer on Kyle Hamilton. And I'll, we'll talk about more about him on the big board, but hmm. like, yes, if he is here, 1000%, you take that man. Very interesting to see if he ends up being someone that slips, just, just kind of slips all the way down there. That was one I was curious what your thoughts are on that one were as well. So we'll definitely see. I think we're kind of in agreement. chargers, anything you can do to help that run defense or just load up in general, just have more talent than everybody at this point. Cause in this division, Nobody's running the ball at this point. I mean, looking at this division, there's way too much firepower. So you might win your division even without being able to stop the run the way. And, and that's what's that's why I said go with. I mean, that's why Jordan Davis and, and Devontae Wyatt, yeah, they're they're run stoppers first. But if you watched them all season long, they got after the pass rusher very well. And that's something I think with first of all, with Jordan Davis's ungodly body and and uh, athletic abilities. You know that can transition pretty well into an interior defensive lineman wreaking havoc in a pass situation. Or at the very least, you just wreak havoc long enough for a Bosa brother to get to the quarterback. Seems to work for everybody who has a Bosa. Or so, a Cleo Mack on the other side as well, too. Just like, yeah. get in the way. Don't let a guard help double team at this point. If I mean, really, if you get one of those two, and, and they're going to they're gonna demand a double team as a rookie, and that's unheard of. I mean, there's, there's not a – there's I won't say there's not. There's been very few defensive tackles in the history of the game to come in in their rookie year and demand a double team. The most recent I can think of would be Aaron Donald. But he's kind of a mixed tackle defensive end. 
He's a, he is on he is not human, so that doesn't even fully yeah. qualify. So like really like you're talking about that type of level of talent. If you if it, whether it's Jordan Davis or Devontae Wyatt, you bring them in and they're gonna immediately help Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa. Uh, uh, that's that that easy. Absolutely. And with with JC Jackson squad on the back end, you're gonna have really good coverage to even get them a little extra time as well, too. So definitely looking forward to seeing what the charges pull off here. Next, we're gonna go to a team that I'm honestly surprised they have not just one pick, but two picks in the first round as well, too, considering they've been kind of trading away and picking the back end. We got the Kansas City Chiefs picking back-to-back at the back end of the first round. Biggest losses, of course, the game-breaker himself, Tyree Kill, being traded to Miami for not one, not two, not three, not four, but five total picks, including that first-rounder that the Dolphins got from the 49ers as well, too, picking at 29. And then the biggest addition... There's you could say Juju, but I think we were kind of in agreement. I think it's got to be Justin Reed at safety that they brought in from Houston, the young, young, rangy, just very dynamic safety. I think he's going to do a lot to fill that Tyron Matthew role for them as well, too. They'll have him for a while, and I think he's a really good fit. I think he's going to be fantastic. And Juju, really good receiver. I think he's going to be a really good number two for him, but they're still looking for that number one as well, too. Rumored to be going after, trying to get it, go after DK and Tyler Lockett. So we'll see what they end up doing there, but looking at their draft and those two spots, luckily for them, two of the things they need early, they need the most, are, I think could be possibly available here. I look at receiver and I look at pass rush. Those are the two things for me that stick out for them. So if they keep both of these picks, here's a couple of guys I like for them. I like David Bell, the receiver out of Purdue. I think he could be here available as well, too. I really like George Pickens as well as a guy that could possibly be here, the receiver out of Georgia. Two guys that I think aren't quite in that Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, Date Drake London sweepstakes, so they might slip a little bit and be really, really productive back into the first round, early second round guys. A lot T. Higgins, Michael Pittman, play players like that. And then I look for pass rusher. I like your boy Arnold Ibakite. I really like him as that pick number 30 to put him there next to Chris Jones. You've got to get after these quarterbacks in the division. You got to chase down Justin Herbert. You got to chase Derek Carr. You got to deal with Russell Wilson running around backwards and just somehow evading people in ways that don't make sense. Arnold Ibakite is a guy, I think, with his natural athletic ability and his skill set, I think he'd be a guy that he could chase down the Russell Wilsons and those guys when they start moving as well. Similar to former Penn State at pass rusher as well, too, Odafe Owe, who was taken at around the same spot last year from Baltimore with, if I'm not mistaken, Kansas City's pick when they traded to them, too. So I like getting some underrated players like that that might be considered second round values. But late first round, you're getting a steal, and you're getting two of them on top of that as well, too. That could sure up two of your biggest needs. Yeah, no, I I, I like Ibukite first of all um, as a very very good pick, and I agree. That's your two that's your two needs here, back to back 29 and thirty. You're wanting to get both needs knocked out, and you have that opportunity. Um, now, I because they brought in Marcus Valdez Scantling along with Juju, I think they can actually take a flyer here with one of their picks and do kind of what the Cowboys did with Jalen Smith. And that's pick up somebody who's injured, which I'm looking at one of the two Alabama receivers. Now, John Mechie or Jameson uh, Williams coming out. You need a replacement for, for Tyreek. Uh, there you go. Right there. He's going to Jameson Williams. Could you imagine Jameson Williams just torching teams? Like just, just, just absolutely burning teams down the middle, in a seam, in a slot. Like, oh, that'd be absolutely fantastic. Um, now, if you look at it at pass rush, I look at two guys, uh, Kingsley Ignagbury, the uh, South Carolina edge defender. I think he's 
still fantastic. Obviously, he had a rough combine, but it wasn't as bad as a lot of people, a lot of teams uh, made it out to be. And then I'm also going to go look at Nick Benito, the guy out of Oklahoma. Uh, as an outside linebacker, kind of he's a dual edge type of guy. He can drop into coverage. He can go go rush the passer. And uh, we saw him firsthand in, during the combine. And oh boy, you want to talk about another guy who could move? Nick Benito is a guy that can move. Um, honestly, if it wasn't for the defensive end out of Virginia Tech, he would have had the fastest forty that of the day. So, like he is, he is a next level athlete and could easily easily improve what Kansas City tries to do. And and you get a speed rusher off the edge. We've already seen what speed rushers can do. You mentioned Oa. There's also Micah Parsons last year as rookies, both torturing offenses. I mean, just that extra speed element does give an extra added, like, oh, no, what do I do type of thing to an offensive line. So those are two guys I look at for that pass rush situation. But I think for a receiver, you go look at John Metchie, you go look at Jameson Williams, you take a flyer on them and see if they see if you can get them once they're healthy into the offense because you have really good talent there right now. Juju, you know, is is, is still going to be is going to be fine to play once you know once the season starts. He's not going to be the guy that's going to be the banger over the top. That's going to be Marcus Valdez Scantling for now. But then you bring in Jameson Williams or John Mechie into that team, and you add them to it. I think I think that's the the mix for Kansas City that they want to do. I don't think you need to go get a trade for for a number one guy. I think you can build it through the draft just fine. Absolutely. I'm just imagine imagine Miko Hardman on one side, Jamison Williams on the other side, both just running straight up the field. And it's, if you put the safeties over the top, you got Juju and Travis Kelsey destroying the middle of the field, maybe throwing Valdez Scanley running a deep seam of his own up the middle as yeah. well. So that's a whole lot of speed terrorizing down down the field. And if you somehow cover all of that, you get some you're leaving Travis Kelsey one on one with somebody who cannot guard Travis Kelsey, most likely. Yeah, you're leaving Travis Kelsey with 10 to 15 yards of wide open space at the first down marker. Or Juju, 10 to 15 yards wide open space at the first down marker. Both guys you don't want to leave open. We've seen both of them split the defense and go run run off a 45-yard touchdown run by just like turning around at the first down marker and there's nobody near them and they get ahead of steam. And they're like, all right, well, you're not going to tackle me now. Hmm. So I am kind of curious too when we look at this. Obviously, the last few years it's been backyard street football, it feels like, for the Chiefs. Cranked up to 10 with Tyreek Hill and those type of guys. I wonder what these type of receivers, like let's say they bring in a Jamison Williams who can obviously burn with the best of them as well too. He's not, he can run like everyone, not saying he's slow, but he's not like Tyreek Hill game breaker yet. We haven't seen it, so we're not going to give him that stats yet. Valdez Scanling who can get deep. Juju who can work the middle field. Maybe we see the Chiefs work more towards a structured type offense as well too. A little bit oh less, a little bit more locked in how it's supposed to be. And I wonder if that'll be beneficiary or if it might hurt because we've seen Patrick Mahomes sometimes kind of struggle in those structures if it doesn't hit perfectly. And you see him start to do that scrambling around trying to Russell Wilson and trying to make the backyard plays. But we also saw in the AFC championship game two years ago against the bills, when he's coming off that head injury, everything was structured to a T there was no backyard. You know what? It was all locked in. And that was arguably one of the best games of his career too. So I'm really curious to see like if these new, if they, re- the way they rebuild this, if it ex- ends up, benefiting him or if it ends up exposing it that hole in his game as well too about staying on track and that sort of thing and not screw it Tyreek out there somewhere so I'm really curious to see what moves they make here to supplement that maybe they take back-to-back offensive linemen here and say you know what Patty you're gonna have plenty of time to do whatever you want these guys will eventually get loose you're just you're not getting touched though yeah and that is a, compl- a possibility as well I don't that's I that's my lesser possibility of all the <laughs> all the things very but well I would say that I think if too. Patty is gonna take that next step he has to learn how to play under a more structured offensive system for his health, not for any other reason than for his health. As fantastic as we love seeing him scrambling, making plays, throwing from an absolute horizontal angle 
with a submarine style delivery and dropping it 40 yards on the dot to a receiver just for his receiver to drop it. As fantastic as that is to watch, that adds extra hits on a quarterback's life. And you, the, if you can minimize hits, that's the goal for a quarterback. You do not want to get hit, whether it's by the ground hmm. or by another player, every play. Especially a guy who's starting to get a little bit of an injury history and some knickknacks are starting to pile up as well. So you came, to, came out of college with a little bit of concerns and now they just keep kind of piling up and piling up. So you put a lot of money in Venom, you might as well find ways to get it to work as well too. So a lot of interesting spots here for the Chiefs picky at the back end of the first round looking forward to see what they're doing. The rest of this division, we don't got a lot of early picks because they traded them all away. They hauled them all away. So we'll go and get started. We'll take a look at the Broncos first as well too. And the Broncos, we kind of talked about the biggest addition for the, the biggest loss for the Seahawks earlier. Well, that's the big addition for the Broncos bringing in Russell Wilson. You got who you presume is going to be your franchise quarterback for another few years as well, too. The first one, arguably since Peyton Manning, the guy that you put under center and you feel good about. And then you you do lose Noah Fant, the tight end, who Russell doesn't throw to tight ends anyway. So it's a loss, but at the same time, what you gain in the theory outweighs it. Well, you trade away your ones and your twos if I'm to, to, bring in, to bring in Russell. You're not picking too early. So when I look at Denver, you're going to be similar to the Rams, similar to the 49ers. You're going to be building for depth, basically, at this point. You like your starting 22 for the most part. You just want to – so I look at the Broncos. I think they need to add a little bit of linebacker depth. Just some guys that – their pass rush with bringing in Randy Gregory, having Chubb, I think they're going to be pretty decent at pass rush. And I'll be great, but they'll be all right. That secondary is still pretty good. You have guys like Patrick Sertan, Justin Simmons. you got players on the back end. I think you just need something in the middle to deal with those tight ends like – the Travis Kelsey's, the Darren Wallers, and those guys over the middle, Keenan Allen, Juju Smith, Schuster work in the middle. You just need some guys in, in that middle level to help those back ends. So I look for them, look for some linebacker depth, guys to put next to Josie Jewell, others like that as well, too. So give me some linebacker depth for the Broncos, but you pretty much already use your first two draft picks on Russell Wilson at this point. You're just kind of loading up in case somebody gets nicked or banged up. Yeah. I mean, their first pick is 64. Um, I do want to mention that there's a possibility that Ojabu does fall here uh, just because with that injury, you know, you know, you never know what teams are going to do. You obviously know his talent, but he was a such a spark in the pan talent as far as it wasn't a long-term talent. Like he did it really. It's been this last season it has been his biggest uptick. He did well the season before, but it wasn't to this level. Right. So I look at maybe he falls down here, um, but I I'm agreeing. Like, yeah, I think, I think linebacker edge linebacker um, inside linebacker, one of the two, uh, yeah, one of the three, I guess you can say, mm. nowadays with the, the, the positioning, um, are all good. Maybe he's a Kobe McLean in the second or third round from Auburn. Um, maybe he gets gets picked up here. Um, Jake Lucetta from Penn State, we saw what he did against really every team, whether it be a Big Ten team or an Auburn team, uh, whether it's matching up with a tight end or matching up with a slot receiver, he did a fantastic job. Or just getting after the passer. I mean, he did it all. Um, maybe he does steps up here uh, into a second or third round pick. I mean, they have five picks between the second and fourth round. So there's options there to fill in those linebacker roles. After that, look at your offensive line, help Quinn Miners out in the interior of that offensive line. Obviously he's not the only one. There's a fantastic center there. I'm just saying you need long-term health for your offensive line, not just short-term. And you want to keep Russell Wilson from having to run around as much as well. Do you want to mitigate his running around as much as you you possibly have to figure out a way to, to block for 20 seconds. I mean, that's your new goal as an offensive line. 
Pretty much, yeah, unless Russell's going to change the way he plays as well, too. But we'll, we'll have to wait and see on that one as well, too. We'll have to see if he turns into catch, snap, throw, read, deliver. Like, we'll, we'll see how that one goes as well, too. So we're in agreement on that one. You're looking for depth if you're the Broncos, which that's going to take us to the last team in the AFC and or in the AFC West. And we're looking at the Raiders, who, well, they traded their first and their second round pick away as well, too, to bring in their biggest addition, Devontae Adams, Tay Adams, the almost... If he's not number one receiver in the NFL, he's almost universally regarded as top two or three. You're not going to find him much lower than three just about anywhere. Reuniting with his good friend Derek Carr as well, too, back in Las Vegas. Biggest loss? Well, honestly, their entire offensive line, they still have to do some re-signings and reworking there as well, too, because everyone who started last year, minus Alex my, Alex Leatherwood, is on the free agent market right now. So they're going to have to put together an offensive line. And then Yannick and Dockway, who had a resurgent season opposite Max Crosby. They did bring in Chandler Jones. We'll see if that kind of balances that out a little bit, but Looking at the Raiders, you don't have anything early at this point. It is everything we said about the other teams. You are supplementing at the back end of the draft to fill your roster spots. Maybe you get a dime in the rust. I think it's kind of a straightforward. They just need to grab offensive linemen. If you draft four offensive linemen with your picks three through rounds three through seven, one of them hits, that's a spot you don't have to fill. The rest of them could just be depth spots as well. But I think you, you have to go heavy on the offensive line here. You have maybe the best set of receivers in the division, honestly, when you include Devontae Adams. Hunter Renfro, Darren Waller, Kenyon Drake out of the backfield with Josh Jacobs. You can make a case they have the best set of skill players, which is surprising to say in a division with the Chiefs, the Broncos, and the Chargers. You have maybe even the, the not the best pass rush, but probably the second best pass rush with Max Crosby and now Chandler Jones as well too. Some of the plus some of the interior guys like Maurice Hurst. But you got to you got to get a you got to find a way to protect Eric Carr. He might be the least mobile out of all these quarterbacks as well too, and you. As great as he is, you got to keep him standing upright so he could deliver strikes. And when he gets to that protection, he can still throw darts at the best of him. So load up that offensive line, whatever you got to do. Get five guys in front of him that can avoid getting a holding penalty or a false start every other play and keep him upright so he can throw darts to Renfro, Devontae, and Darren Waller all over the place. Yeah, no, I, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know what else to say other than yes, because I've been preaching about this offensive line for Las Vegas, formerly Oakland. I almost said Oakland again, so I have to just always throw that out there. Um, yeah, I, I think it's it's been offensive line for me this entire offseason for the Raiders. Like, I need you to get offensive line. I need you to figure out your offensive line because right now you have a walking penalty in Alex Leatherwood. That's not going to help you. Um, I'm going to throw out a couple names. They don't have anybody. They don't have any pick until the third round, so these guys are going to be hopefully still sitting there. Uh, Austin Deculus out of LSU. Thayer Munford out of Ohio State, both guys that career-wise, really good careers, long careers, but they're not guys that you look at as a top-tier type of tackle, but they're a guy that sneak in there at the back end of like a top-20 version of the, 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 the tackle depth right now. Um, you know, maybe you look at guards and, and maybe you go uh, Luke Matthews, Texas A&M, or he could slide into center as well. So, you know, maybe he sits there. It's... It, there's not a lot of guys that are going to be available in the third, fourth, fifth round that for them to fill in that are going to be quality talents. But there are some guys that could be some nice NFL players for five to six years. Um, Nick Ford out of Utah, potentially at center. So being one of them, like hey, he might fall to 82 or 84 when you get that first pick. So, so maybe you take that. Very rarely do you draft from the back end of the third round onward and grab a blue chip prospect necessarily. Most of the time they get snatched up by that point as well too. So at that point you're looking to draft a guy who 
is going to be better in the NFL than he was in college. Almost like a guy who, with that next step, improves his game as well, too. And I kind of want to look at free agency as well, too, with the Raiders as well, since they have a little bit of leeway. I'm surprised they haven't made any offensive line moves. I know they don't. They're playing with the cap space. They just gave Devontae Adams the Brinks truck and a bag attached to it as well. Maybe a few bags attached to it. I'm surprised they haven't made a whole lot of moves in free agency offense. Just some like maybe a cheap one year signing here, one year signing there. Maybe a guy like Eric Fisher or something like that. Just guys that are chilling out there. Nate Solders, just lower level guys. Not great by any means, but you just like you said, well, you got to put bodies in front of them. Unless Alex Leatherwood's going to erase the penalties and block five guys at a time next year, they got to get bodies out in front of them. So maybe they have some late free agency moves to kind of supplement those. But I agree with you. It is surprising how they've neglected the offensive line as much as they have when Derek Carr is at one point was considered a skittish quarterback in the pocket if it starts to break down. So I look for I look for them to find a way to somehow build something in front of him as well. And what's the point of having Devonta Adams as 150 million if Derek Carr is face down on the ground the entire game? Yeah, I mean, maybe you, maybe you go out there and you get a couple guys like Dwayne Brown. Like he's a 37 year old, but hmm. you get him for a year, maybe two. Uh, Eric Fisher, like you said, 31 year old. Um, there you go. You get your tackles. Uh, beyond that, you're looking at. Well, not a whole lot left. <laughs> so, uh, James Daniels, uh, potentially, um, Connor Williams, maybe. Uh, there's not, there's not a lot uh, if we're being fair. But yeah, there's, there's enough that you can fill. You can have a better offensive line in what's currently available in free agency mm-hmm. than you had last year when you made the playoffs. So, spend a little money. Maybe they're just rentals. Maybe you back end the deal for like a three-year contract and you back end it so that way it's opposite Devontae or front end it so it's opposite Devontae. However you have to do those magical, mm-hmm. mysterious salary cap gymnastics that the Saints pulled off the other, uh, you know, last year. Like, you you guys are capable of doing it. You have enough lawyers in your in your office to be able to pull off a fantastic salary cap gymnastic meet and, and be okay. Like, just just get it done. Absolutely. And you know what? We kind of went through a lot of teams. I want to backtrack a little bit because there's one idea we didn't really broach too much. And I'm looking at the Kansas City Chiefs with their two first round picks. What are the chances you think they package those together and maybe move up and go after somebody? Let's hypothetically say they fall in love with Chris Olave, who's slipping at like 22, 23, somewhere there. Do you think there's a chance that they might trade up for him or maybe, God, for some reason, Jordan Davis slips and like, we want him next to Chris Jones. So no one can, the middle is over. Do you think there's a chance maybe the Chiefs could trade up? And if you do, what kind of player do you want to see them go get? Interestingly, I've been looking at it, and and I look at the Giants' picks um, potentially as a place where they could go and move up into a top ten ten oh, type you of think pick. They go way way up there. You're thinking I, they go I, all the way up. I think I think with with two first rounders, you can easily slide yourself into I don't know that that seven pick with the Giants, and you flip that, you probably have to give them like you know your back end draft draft picks as well. But you could possibly go way up there and. And maybe get a position piece that you you, you know you want to have maybe an offense an, an offensive lineman for the future um, maybe I don't know defensive tackle I like I, whatever you want to do that's it's a possibility they do it um, I wouldn't be surprised if they also work a deal in, in Philadelphia as well but I think at that point in time if you're moving up if you're Kansas City I think you're taking like best absolute available player because he fell like George Karloftis if he falls like. Like you're going to get that type of a guy, you know. I'm curious about this. You mentioned Philadelphia picking in like the teens. Imagine if they trade up to like maybe that 18 ish spot or something like that right afterwards. Maybe a guy like Trevor Penning, the t- offensive tackle out of you and I as well, too, has climbed up a lot of boards. And obviously, you're 
we kind of talked about you put a lot of money in the offensive line the last year. You got Creed Humphrey, Joe Tooney, Orlando Brown. Like you got good players, but maybe just grab in a Trevor Penning so your tackles are locked down. You just you built that wall in front of Patrick Mahomes, like we joked about earlier. And be like, look, your receiver, you don't have Tyree Kill, but you still have the best tight end of the game and a bunch of other really, really good guys. No one's gonna touch you. Make it happen. Clyde Edwards Hilaire, get your five foot six self behind these mammoths and just kind of dance around. You won't get touched for four yards or whoever they have playing running backs. They seem to rotate them all over the place. So I don't hate the idea of them trading up if they go and get the right player. But if you trade up and you whiff or you're slightly off or you grab something that doesn't make sense, I think that sets you back in this division. You can't miss if you trade up. That's the biggest thing. You, you can't swing and miss where with these two first round picks, you can maybe miss on one and smash the other one or both are just pretty decent players. Like, yeah, Patrick Mahomes, there's a lot of leeway, but you can't mess up when you have two first round picks and trade up like this. Especially yeah, if you have to give up like the second or a third or something like that too to get all the way up there. So I am really it for the first time in a while, what the Chiefs do in the draft should be fun. Because normally it's just like, yeah, whatever, they're picking at the end. Who cares? Yeah, I also would be surprised if they somehow package at least one of them to Houston. Um, I can see both first round picks going to Houston. They take their 13 from that was originally Cleveland's, and Houston takes the back end of the draft because Houston has to get you know, players at this point in time. So that wouldn't surprise me in the least either if they just like do something with Houston. Uh, just, that'd, be great. Just, that'd be great for Houston because you also have your top 10 picks still. You got your top you have three or four, if I'm not three, if I'm not mistaken. Then you have those two picks at the back end. Then you got your early pick in the first round as well, too. So you're picking like three times and eight to nine picks. So that's yeah. underratedly good for a team that, as you mentioned, they need bodies. Yeah. Yeah. Davis Mills, they said, the is their guy for at least a year, but you got to give him something. I mean, like he, you can't, you can't have him thrown to nobody's anymore. Four picks within the first 40 picks. Like that's not a bad haul to say the least. Yeah, not at all as well, too. And it's going to continue. It's not just this year. You're going to have plenty of picks next year and the year after that as well, too. Like, you had a nice haul in that Deshaun Watson trade. So we'll see. If, if David Mills is the guy, they are going to give him every opportunity in a division that is interesting, to say the least, as well, too. Like, it's a very interesting division, which we'll be talking about the South. Don't you worry about that. we got a lot to talk about those as well, too. And the rest of the divisions coming up as well, too. So that will do it for the main event here, talking our first episode of Journey to the Draft, which will lead right up to our final mock draft right before the NFL draft starts. We'll also be releasing our top 50 player big boards. We'll be each releasing one this year as well, too, so you take a look at those. We will let you know where to check those out once we have them finished and released. It is that time of the season. The NFL draft season is always busy, but it is always fun. And we will continue this journey to the draft starting at beginning again next week. But that will take us now into Kelsey's actual favorite segment of every show, and that is Crunch Time, currently brought to you by Swift Lifestyles. Use Hilo Sports as the code. Get yourself 15% off and get us one step closer to creating our own flavor as well, too. So, Kelsey, uh, we're in crunch time. What's on your mind? What's got you crunching? You know, for me, there's not been a lot lately, but I do know that there's something on your mind. And I kind of want to – I'm just going to leeway this into – I'm going to drop the bottom line, and I'm going to let you have have the crunch time because, truthfully, the things I have to talk about aren't important. But this one, this story – this story is pretty important. Yeah, and you know what? I I have problems with this one across the board. So anyone who hasn't heard, George Masvidal and Colby Covington, two UFC fighters, big grudge match. They had it in UFC UFC main event a couple weeks ago. Ended. Well, it didn't end quite there. It was just the other day at a steakhouse in Miami, George Masvidal allegedly showed up with a hood and a mask on and attacked Colby Covington with, I believe they said, was two sucker punches, allegedly. Did some damage to a tooth and then took off. And then he was later arrested and is now being charged as well, too, by what is presumed to be Colby Covington. No, it has not been directly 
Prugius. He used his rights to sit, basically deny being identified. But I'm so many issues with the start with a George. You had 25 minutes with him like a couple weeks ago, and you and it didn't get done. So you show up and sucker punch him while covered and hooded up as well. Too that it's not proving anything. Colby, you're a UFC fighter who has talked the most amount of trash ever, and now you're pressing charges like. Any other time, like I get pressing charges, especially against the guy who you hate because this kind of puts them in a spot as well, too. Like this is basically double flipping them off. But damn, with how much you talk, it does make you kind of look smelly. If that makes sense, it does. It's not a great look. And at the same time, this is this is just ugly. Like it, it was at first it was fun. The back and forth was fun. The friends turn rivals was great. Now it's kind of embarrassing. I'm just kind of worn out from it. I don't want to see either one of their names for a few more weeks or even months, honestly, which is a shame because they were two of the best fighters in that division in the world. And Right now, I'm just kind of sick of them both. And this was just, this is kind of embarrassing, honestly, as well, too. Just on all, le- from both sides, is absolutely embarrassing. Yeah, like, it's interesting to, to talk about it because you have guys like Kamara Usman saying, I, I, I'm not going to take a side on this. They're both idiots. Hmm. Like, you have Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan being the voice of reason here and saying, Mazadol, you should have just accepted your big L the other day when you couldn't get it done in 25 minutes. As much as what you just said, DJ, like, what are you doing? Like, I get your street, you, you know, street Jesus, game bread, all that stuff. But like, if nah. that's the case, you square him up in the street and fight him. You don't sucker punch him and then run away. Like it loses all of your mystique of being the, the as you mentioned, street Jesus and all that kind of loses a little bit when you run up, sucker punch and take off. And then you yeah, show like, up with other people as well, too, at a steakhouse of all things. Dude. Yeah. And that's the thing is like, this is a steakhouse full of families and, and kids and, you know, Probably some grown adults imbibing in some some alcoholic beverages, but like, I dude, I I don't care how amount no amount of liquid courage. If you're a professional fighter and your fist can legally legally be classified as weapons, no amount of liquid whatever you want to call it is gonna it should allow you to just want to run up and sucker punch a dude. No matter how big of a rival that these guys are, I mean, how many times have we heard it from different UFC athletes saying like? Yeah, me and Covington can't meet in the streets. Like, it's on site. Well, congratulations on site. You square up and you fight there. You don't yeah. suck a punch and dip. And at the same time, you can't press charges too. Like, come on, you talk way too much trash. I, I hate this all around, and I, I hate that we're talking about. It, but we can't just leave this uncaged thing to its end. But that is, you know what? We're gonna get out of here before we start going on a rant, and this turns into a two-hour show. But we appreciate you all for joining us. And until next time, we will see you guys later. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.